0: Hello and welcome to the Parents of Kid podcast from surviving to thriving in your household. My name is Gene Schwalen next to me as always, my beautiful bride, Dr. Sonia Schwalen, pediatric psychologist, expert and nationally certified school psychologist. Today, we're going to bring fear part two to your homes. Last week, we talked about fear and just uh, how to really kind of help kids overcome fear, fear of bugs, snakes, all types of things that our kids go through and how we can help them navigate through that fear. Um, you know, and and fear is really just something that's, it's going to happen to everyone, right? Even to us adults, infants have separation, or actually fear what? Stranger danger, right?
1: Like young kids do, yeah. Young kids,
0: yeah. Toddlers feel separation anxiety. Young kids pretend things to try to overcome fear and and, and whatnot. They're scared of the dark, you know. Kids go to bed at night when they're sleeping on their own and having to put themselves to sleep and any little noise, they get scared. So there's all these fears that kids have. You have kids that are afraid of the escalators, you know, that they go on in the malls or even the elevators. Um, We have, you know, teens that are scared of um, different things, including uh, what people think of them. So we have all these fears. And so we want to give some tools and some tips today to really kind of build on from last week's episode to help parents Help Our Children Overcome Fear.
1: All right. That sounds good. Let's do it. All right. So what kinds of tips and tools? I mean, are we going to talk through different scenarios? Or are we just going to kind of give in general?
0: Well, let's give some examples on some different, um, you know, things that kids go through. Um, let's talk about escalators. You know, Lee had talked about, you know, some fears he brought up. Um, with escalators he was scared to death no I'm just kidding he wasn't Lee but um, you know just fears you know escalator I know that when our three-year-old gets an escalator you're freaking out and like making sure that he waits and he does this and he's holding somebody's hand and he jumps on the escalator which actually could be very dangerous and then he jumps off the escalator (laughs) to make sure he didn't get sucked up in that little (laughs) bitty space between the the teeth or whatnot right so um, sometimes that fear of kids on the escalator could actually be because of their parents fear but uh, let's talk about the fear of the escalator.
1: Okay, so just to be clear, he jumps on and off because I want to make sure that he jumps over the yellow line and jumps over the yellow line when he's getting off again so that he doesn't trip. Is it not because I think he's going to get sucked into the escalator. It's <laughs> <laughs> the first time I'm ever hearing that. <laughs> All
0: right, well, um, maybe that's just my own interpretation because most parents <laughs> are scared they're going to get sucked I into that. I just
1: don't want him to trip. I just don't want him to fall on his face. That's it because it's tricky to get off and on them. That's all. Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, So I make him jump. We count to three and he jumps and then he always makes it onto the step.
0: Very cool. (laughs) (laughs) All
1: right. So the uh, hypothetical, and then I find out later it was a not so hypothetical that was um, uh, asked about was, you know, what if you know someone that's afraid of an escalator? They're so scared of it. They refuse to get on it. Is this something that a parent should address? Can they address it? What do they do in a situation like this? How do you know when you need professional help for it? Okay, and it's a good example because it's just such a practical example, but I think the, the process of helping your child through something like this is going to be a very similar process for a lot of different scenarios, okay? So a person is afraid of an escalator, What do you do? Do you force them to get on? What if they refuse? They throw a tantrum. They have a panic attack. They're not going to get on this thing. And it becomes really inconvenient because now you have to go find the stairs or the elevator, but like an alternative way to get upstairs or downstairs. And so it's all about what we said last week, right? Our biggest takeaway from last week's episode was don't try to logic or talk sense into someone, right?
0: In the midst of their fear,
1: in the midst of the emotion, right? And so it was funny because after that episode, I think I w- was telling tellingly. Um, so many times, people will say the the phrase. It's like a cliche phrase of, "I just." It's like I just couldn't get through to them, right? And it's true. You cannot get through to someone when they're emotional, uh, emotionally triggered, or in their emotion mind until they're calmed down and they're no longer in the emotional place in their mind nothing you say is gonna make sense you're not gonna get through to them and you're gonna feel like you're going crazy because it's obvious to you but it's definitely not something that the other person in their fear or emotion is able to comprehend. So, if you notice, you know, the fear response of getting on an escalator, that person is in their fear in those moments. It's not going to do any good to grab their hand and force them on or just tell them there's nothing to be afraid of and come on, you can do this. The first thing, based on what I just said, is going to be to just pull the person to the side. Hey, come over here for a second. I can see that you're pretty upset right now or you're really nervous or scared like what's going on with you let's just help calm you down all right so focus on the emotion first and calming someone down a really good way to help your child calm down is to practice calm down skills before they actually need them okay because if you're in the moment trying to get your child to go down the darn escalator right and you ask them to do some deep breathing but it's not something they've ever practiced before or that they've become good at You're not going to have any luck with them trying to use it, right, when they're already at a 10. So we always— And if you're at
0: the mall and the elevator's all the way across the side of the mall and there's always a big line for this two-person elevator, you're going to be quite upset.
1: There you go. It's going to be annoying. It's going to be inconvenient. It's not going to go well, right? It's going to be frustrating for everybody. And then you risk your child feeling misunderstood or invalidated, and then there's, like, this negativity in the relationship, So whenever we want our children to calm down in stressful moments, we need to also be proactive about helping them calm down or use calm down skills when they don't need them, right? So practicing something is the only way to get really good at it. It's also the only way to ensure that your child will use those skills when they really need them. So you're practicing deep breathing, for example um a really good recommendation that i try to make it's like practical it's easy is if you have kids no matter how old they are you know you can start this as young as two years old and um it's practical and relevant for you know the child who's 18 years old uh you teach them how to um i'm sorry what am i trying to say uh deep breathing yeah smell the flowers and blow out the candles yeah you know, yeah. actually, I
0: was kind of impressed because when we were traveling back from vacation just last week, we were in this big, long line through customs, and there was a family with a child who was just going, the, the child was just just out of her mind, crying, screaming, and would not stop, no matter what the parents said. And there's a big, huge line, as we know, in the customs line, and everyone, you could just tell, was just so annoyed because this, this child was just, I mean, just as loud as can be. And I heard the dad go down there and try to teach her or try to tell her to do some deep breathing. And he said, smell the flowers, blow out the candles. Now, she don't listen to him, but he was at least trying to get her to do some deep breathing.
1: Well, and it's interesting because I'm hearing this phrase more and more on like TV shows. It's like being picked up in social media. Uh, it's something that we teach like in play therapy to parents when we're doing parent training. Because it's really, it makes a lot of sense for any person thinking about it. Okay, so I smell the flowers, I take a deep breath in through my nose, and then I blow out the candles, I can let it out, deep breath out through my mouth. And so, you know, I I always recommend to parents that come into the clinic that I'm working with is build in scheduled time every day on your child's schedule. You know, weekends included, where once or twice a day, you ask them to go sit down in a calm-down corner or space in their room or at the at the house where there's low foot traffic, so it's not a busy area, it's quiet, it's guaranteed they're going to be in that space alone for 10 to 15 minutes, and you ask them to practice calming skills or coping skills. And so some of those are smelling the flowers, blowing out the candles. I want you to do that 10 times before you come back and see me.
0: Well, let's talk about deep breathing really quick because I know that on my – Apple Watch, there are times throughout the day that'll alert me to breathe. Mm -hmm. And it gives me this direction with this flower of breathing. Breathe in, you hold it, then you let it out. Um, And it actually is very effective for for everyone. So we should also be practicing those skills with our kids, too, because we can actually realize to our benefit.
1: So going to the calm down space with your child and just doing the deep breathing with your child is going to benefit everybody. They then don't feel like it's something you're making them do. It's something you're willing to go and sit with and do with them. You know, it's just a normal thing that everybody in the family is practicing. And so then when you really need that, right, skill, you're more likely to use it. Um, There's nothing wrong with sending more oxygen to the brain. We can always benefit from that. You know, physiologically, it can calm us down, it helps us relax, it also helps us just get more in the present moment.
0: Well, and I mean, so you teach your kids at an early age. You know, I've made some jokes on previous episodes about our three year old who, because of the mom of a psychologist, or the child of a psychologist, he tells us, he tells me all the time, that I need to do some deep breathing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really funny, but he does, and he starts to do it, and I do it with him. Um, so the more you teach it, the more you practice it, the more they'll actually apply it, even on their own, at a very young age.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just like part of what we do normally as a family. Um, for kids, I like to print things out for them. So, you know, for our eight-year-old, when she was, like, four or five, we printed out, like, it was Minnie, It was Google Images, you know. Minnie Mouse was smelling some flowers, and there was a little kid blowing out some birthday candles. Um, and so I printed those, you know, images onto a colored paper and just hung them up on the wall in her room so she could remember what deep breathing was. Um, There's other ways that you can practice just calming down that's not deep breathing um, that are also easily accessible when you're on the go. Give us a couple more of those. And I will. So what I want to mention, though, is a lot of times parents will say, can I or can my child have their, their music with them or their coloring books or maybe a fidget spinner or something to fidget with? Because these fidget toys are out there and they're, I mean, the poppets and things like that. I mean, they're big right now in terms of like sensory and tactile um, coping. You don't always have one of those with you, right? So deep breathing's cool because you can take deep breathing anywhere you, and you don't need like an extra tool to get calm.
0: Well, and, and I think that's something that's important to actually mention is that the, the one thing that I think we all have a big, huge issue with is meditation, just being in our own space and our own mind and just relaxing and getting out of our own mind through meditation. Um, In fact, a lot of the things that I read, some of the things that I teach um, about the most successful people that are out there in the world, one of the things that they all have in common is they have time every single day of meditation. If you don't understand or know how to meditate with deep breathing other things, you'll never do it. So if we're always keeping our kids busy with fidget spinners or poppets or whatever it may be, they're never going to realize or learn how to use themselves to cope in a, pl- in a quiet place, which is very important for lifelong skills.
1: Yeah, so it's like the art of self soothing, right? So, deep breathing is one of them. Another really good one is just a grounding exercise called 54321. You can do this exercise anywhere, you don't have to be um, in a certain place or have tools to do it. And I've spoken about this on previous episodes, but it's always good to just refresh. So grounding is the idea of just being here and now in the present moment because we know that fear and anxiety lives in our mind, right? Like it's either in the past or the future. So concern and worry over something that's already happened or concern or worry or fear of something that could happen. And that's the reason why someone doesn't want to get on the escalator because they're afraid of what might happen, right? And so if someone is in their anxiety or in their fear, intellectually speaking, they are in their head. Like it's, it's, it's something they're worried or concerned about. So you cannot really be worried or anxious if you're in the here and now. And a way to really help people in general get into the present moment and out of their head is to help them connect through through their five senses so connect to the present moment through your five senses and so five four three two one is something we teach kids in terms of you know I want you to really just slow down right now let's get grounded in the present moment and you know if you're at the mall for example you can start with five things that you see um let's let's focus on people's shoes because there's gonna be a bunch of people walking by so I want you to pick out five different pairs of shoes and just describe them to me in terms of what they look like because we're only accessing the present moment in this part of it through our sense of sight right so you know my shoes are a pair of like uh, neutral colored beige heels and I they look uncomfortable but they look professional I don't know what you have on, but I'm guessing it's like a pair of sneakers that are probably a perfect match to your outfit and just the right color to even coordinate with your hat. Okay. Because I know my husband very well. All right. But I'm only going to focus on what they look like. Okay. And then the f- the four and the five, four, three, two, one will be another sense. Right. So I might go to four mean- things I can um, hear because there's lots of sounds in the mall. Right. So you got to slow down and just listen and then talk them out and then three things you can touch. Um, and you're gonna focus on what they feel like, right? I can touch my own hand, it's warm and it's soft. And then two deep breaths in and out through your nose for smell. And I usually say, well, since you're so good at that, let's take five more deep breaths, right? Cause we know that deep breathing is very helpful for calming us down. And then one thing with your mouth for taste, but there's really no reason to taste anything in this situation, we can just smile. Because smiling also can help calm our nervous system down. And let's just say something nice about ourselves, you know, like, I can do this or I got this. Um, so that's five, four, three, two, one. When you ask an individual who's really anxious in the moment uh, to go through those steps and really do them slowly and with attention to detail, it it inadvertently just helps calm them down. They get their mind off of what's making them so upset. And then you're actually able to have a conversation with them because they're not so upset anymore. So when you first started, your child may have been at a 10, super high anx- anxiety, maybe having like somewhat of a panic attack because they thought they were going to have to go down this escalator and they're so scared. Or a tantrum or
0: whatever it may look like. Right,
1: or a tantrum. However the child is displaying the emotion. And then you do this calming down um you know, coping skills with them. Um, and they're down to like a three or a four now. And now you can finally get through to the person. Okay. And these skills, they only take a few minutes. It's really not that long, but it's just long enough to get your child like over that fear and actually able to comprehend what you're even trying to do. Okay. So what were you going to say?
0: Well, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you're going to spend more time trying to fight the issue or, you or figure out ways to deal with the tantrum if you're not doing calm down, you know, skills and whatnot. So um, I I think the most important thing also is for for kids to really, like, really know and believe that you really care, that you're going to be there to empathize with them, understand them. Um, We don't have to agree with them in some cases either, but just them understanding that we're going to be there to take care of them, just leading with love and saying, let's take a minute, let's figure out what's going on, Um, and then you can move forward. So these calm down skills will definitely help to get them calmed down. I think there's a lot of things that parents do that we should also talk about. Um, I've known, uh, you know, I I know that um, there's parents out there that that would, you know, kind of name call or ridicule, maybe not even as uh, trying to be negative or ugly, but just trying to like use some reverse psychology, you know, don't be a scaredy cat or whatever it may be. Um, And that can definitely be very destructive. I've seen where some parents may um, try to reward or offer some type of bonus or something to get a kid to do something that they really don't want to do. And even if it does work in the moment, it's not going to help them long term. So the ultimate goal is to really help our kids learn how to deal with these fears, with the actual feelings and the emotions from these fears and how to overcome those because they're going to have these all all their life growing up. Um, So trying to avoid some of those things to try to get our kids to do what we want when they're really not ready to do what they want, what
1: we want. Right, and you're talking about, like, you know, avoiding being punitive, right? The, you know, what you said is we either bribe them or we don't be a scaredy cat, come on. Um, Some parents will even say, well, if you don't do this right now, then you can't do something you want to do later. Or, you know, you wanted ice cream, we're just not going to get the ice cream then, right? And And it becomes, like, this thing to just fight about when it doesn't need to be that. Parents are up against a lot, too, though. And so, you know, they might not have all the time in the world to do this. Or it's a lot to wrap your head around the fact that you have to make an effort every single time. It's a battle. child gets emotional, right? And it's draining on us as parents. And so, you know, that's when I come to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Make sure you're getting enough just back to the basics like sleep and nutrition and and sunlight, you know, and make sure you're doing those basic things for yourself because when it's time to respond in all the moments that we have and all the opportunities we have when we're with our kids, as the parent that you want to be, you're much more likely to respond that way if you're well-rested and not hungry and taking care of yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we have to also be aware of that, you know, using the escalator uh, example, um, again, when Lee was talking about this, um, the child was never as scared of the escalator for, for so long. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, um, now the child's scared to go up the escalator or go down the escalator, whatever it is, right? And I think what a lot of parents don't understand is that kids are seeing things online. They're watching TV shows or cartoons. Um, you know, you've know, you got examples you give through the, through the eating disorder uh, education that you provide where kids may see, you know, somebody throwing up on TV or in a, in a cartoon chair or whatnot, and all of a sudden they're scared of vomiting. Uh, so they're scared of eating now and, and, and whatnot. So there's so many things that kids can actually experience in different ways, not even firsthand. And parents are like, why are you scared to do this now? You've never been as scared do this before. They don't understand. And then it is a big fight. Uh, but sometimes we just don't understand. And it takes a moment to really get our kids to come down and then have that healthy conversation with them to really find out what's underlying. Once you have that communication, then you can help them through it, but you can't do that in the emotion.
1: Absolutely. And so once you get your child to come down, right? So now you're acknowledging like, Oh, there's something going on here. This is like an intense emotion for just doing something that used to be so simple. You pull your child off to the side, you get them, you help them through it. You help them, you know, kind of go from a 10 to a, a three or a four. And I always want everybody to be below a five at all times. I think you guys have heard me say that. So stay below a five at all times on your emotional scale. And then say, you know, we don't have to go down the escalator today. We'll find another way to get downstairs. But if you would like, you know, I'm happy to just like do an exposure with you. Right. So as the mom or the dad, you can get your child to maybe put their hand on the railing as and, and then set that up as you were successful today. That's all. That was all we wanted to get you to do today. You did it. Let's go down the stair or the elevator now or
0: whatever. Yeah, so the one that we don't want to do as parents is avoid the fear of moving forward forever. So even right. if we avoid it that day, that's okay in the moment. Uh, that reminds me of swim lessons um, with our, you know, back then one-year-old. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids that are scared of the water and really more so scared of going under the water. And you have to overcome that fear with your kids you have to do that and there's ways of doing that so there is different definitely exposures and so you know it 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 takes you know like for swim lessons walking on the wall with your hands getting comfortable being in the water being in the pool being in the surrounding area um, and different things and techniques that we learned to help our kid overcome that fear Uh, and then also took actually just saying i'm sorry i had to pull you in now and you're gonna go under i'm gonna pick you up i'm gonna be there i'm gonna support you and i got you Um, there, there was some of that that was involved that was just an absolute necessary. So sometimes it is taking that plunge, but being right there with your kid in the moment as well. So can you speak to some of that stuff as well?
1: Sure. And so, I mean, you know, anytime you can allow your child to see you doing what they're maybe afraid of, so letting them see you go down the escalator, then they touch the escalator handlebar or whatever, Maybe they're willing to take a ride, but you're going to do that right next to them. You're going to be holding on to their hand or arm while it's happening. Um, or in the other example that we were talking about, the parent is going first and facing the child as they take the step on. And, and so all eye, you know, they're locked eyes and they're together in that. So if you can get your child, if they're old enough to um, work that out with you, that's great. But it's baby steps. And the expectation should never be we're gonna overcome this all at once right now, and that's the only choice we have. It should always be, we have this bigger goal in mind, and if we can even take just one small step towards that goal, that was a success today. And that's why I said, you know, if if all they can do after they've calmed down is touch the railing, and then you guys take the stairs or the elevator, then that's a success, because prior to that, they weren't even willing to go near the thing and now they're touching it, okay? And then maybe the next time you go, they may get on it because they know that you're supporting them. And then the things you're talking about, you know, it's you have to do that cost benefit analysis, you know? Why do we want our child to get used to having water in their face and understanding how to hold their breath and um, navigate being underwater? Well, because the cost of them not knowing is actually they could drown, and they won't understand pool safety and and how to figure out how to swim and survive. And so you have to to do that work as a parent and balance out, you know, even though this is uncomfortable and everything inside of me doesn't want to put my child under the water when they're first learning how to swim, they also do need to understand that we're going to do this anyways because there's something greater at stake here.
0: Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I was just I was thinking, um, you know, just um, I remember when when our older son and I were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we got stuck on top of this mountain with no climbing gear or no nothing. It was by accident, completely. You know, there was a huge fear. He had a lot of fear. How do we get down this mountain now? Because we didn't have a, an opportunity to go back up to the um, whatever the gondola thing is that took us up to the top. So we had to go down. My f- foot, my butt, my all kinds of means, and uh, and it was very scary in, in different areas, um, and some of that is just kind of also like, okay, I understand you're scared. Let's talk about this for a quick second, but we've we've got to do this because we don't have a choice now. Uh, but let's talk about also ways that we can try to overcome this. Like, you know, what thoughts do you have? What are some other alternatives? let them use their thinking skills as well, to where now they're not thinking about you know the the fear itself, but thinking about ways to, to do something. Um, that can also be definitely beneficial. Now for our, our teens and preteens and whatnot, a, a lot of their fears have to be with just social fears. Um, the, my looks, uh, am I gonna be accepted, the clothes that I wear, um, you know, there are some kids right now with, you know, with COVID going on and rampant again that that are scared about certain things as well. Maybe school shutting down and not being able to be around their friends. Um, so how do we talk to our older kids about some of the fears when it comes to like social fears and anxiety and whatnot?
1: So, I mean, some of those are things, you know, that's a different kind of fear. That is a... Worst case scenario, it hasn't happened yet or I'm not being faced with that scenario yet, but I'm worried about it. I imagine it and I d- and I'm so scared of it that it, you know, is stopping me from living my best life or having every experience I could, you know, if I didn't have those concerns. So, what are my friends going to think of me? Or I'm starting freshman year in high school and I don't know if I'm going to make any friends or am I going to have anyone to sit with in the cafeteria? um what if my friends get covid or i get covid and we have to go back to virtual school and i can't take that and i don't want that these are all unknowns though these are things that we don't we can't necessarily like deal with right then in the moment because it's not the escalator example these are things that you can do again the calming down strategy which is let's not talk about the actual content for right now because what I find parents do is they'll give reassurance to their children over and over again, of your friends are gonna like you and you're gonna be fine and everybody loves you and you had friends last year and why are you worried about that and you're wonderful and 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 kids. But mom, I'm wearing butterfly collars, man. Parents, <laughs> don't understand. I don't know what a butterfly collar is. It's a Will Smith oh song. Gosh. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> um, what was I saying? The 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 emotion that. Or the place where those worries are coming from are driven by fear and anxiety. So again, let's not talk about making friends or who you're going to sit next to in the cafeteria until you've acknowledged and dealt with the anxiety. Okay? Because in a teenager, if you just start talking about how great your kid is and what the solutions are, your teenager is going to shut down. They're going to think, what did I just get out of this? Did they even hear me? No one understands me. I can't tell my parents anything. They don't get me, okay? But if you say, you know, hey, where is this coming from? What's going on for you right now, right? Rather than telling them all the reasons why what they just said is not true, um, you may learn a little bit more. They may actually say, I'm just really nervous or, you know, I'm scared. And if those words come out, then you're able to, well, what can we do right now? Just help you feel calmer, okay? And focus on the calm, getting them calm again. Or if they never say those words, cause they're not used to talking to you that way, but you are able to tell like, hey, I think you're kind of worried right now. You know, you're super triggered. You, you just gave me all these worries one after another. What do you say we just focus on getting ourselves calmer before we actually talk about the things that are on your mind? And then your child knows, like, whoa, they see me, they understand me, they're willing to be in this yucky feeling with me, and they're going to help me get out of it. And that's pretty cool. Like, you know, I've gotten feedback from teenagers whose parents are doing things like that. They really see what's going on with their child. So versus, like, rather than getting stuck in the content and trying to have this, let me talk you out of it, you're an awesome kid conversation... It's a, hey, what's going on with you right now? You just spewed off like five different worries. Where are we at? What's happening? Uh, That's more like getting in the emotion with them. After they're calm and they're ready to talk, which might be the next day or that weekend or even the next hour, then you can say all those things. You're going to be fine. You were great last year. You made so many friends. You're on the cross-country team or the marching band. You already have friends before you get to school Do you realize that some of that was just driven by anxiety? Do you feel better now? And usually kids will feel a lot better. But then if they're still really struggling, you can do some role-playing. You can say, hey, what are you most concerned about? How do you prepare for that situation that you're thinking about? Or how do you feel about just crossing that bridge when we get
0: there? Well, another thing you can also do is you can really um, talk to your kids about some other things that they can focus on as well. You know i know that our oldest son when he was in high school um you know he would talk about like the cool kids you know and the cool clique and and you know he was kind of uh, friends with everybody and he was more of uh, the kid that was he was very athletic but he was more of the funny kid and and whatnot and you know so you can focus on the strengths about your kids as well mm-hmm. and that way we can kind of get them off of some things they may be focused on because of a kid it, it's you know the kids may be told things at school Um, You know, we've had our 8-year-old, you know, people have said things about her at times and whatnot, and so we have to really take the focus off what was said after we address it, after we go through the emotion like you just mentioned, Um, but really focus on some things that are positive that we can definitely dwell on.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you want to help your child remember who they are and think about themselves in terms of their own character versus what their fear might be telling them or other kids might be saying about them.
0: All right, so we've got the, the kids that, um, that are scared of the boogeyman, or the kids that have the monster beneath the bed, and, and scared of the dark, and, and things like that. So um, those are usually, the, all the examples I just gave, typically are going to be at night when kids are going to bed. Um, and I know as a parent that sometimes it's really not about the fear of the boogeyman or the monster beneath the bed or whatever it may be. It may just be the fact that they have to go to bed. Uh, but sometimes it really can be that fear. Um, so how do we help our kids overcome that fear? How do we deal with that in the moment? And then how do we help them kind of get through that? Because some of that takes some time.
1: Well, it can be that they just don't want to go to bed. Or it can be that every time they get that scared, you lay down right next to them and you cuddle with them. Or they
0: come and lay in mommy and daddy's bed.
1: Right? So it's super reinforcing to have my fear every night. Because now I get to be held all night long and don't have to sleep alone and all these things. So you just want to really look at it. You know, how are you responding? What is the actual response the child is getting when they voice their fears or their reasons for not being able to sleep? You know, our three-year-old just did this to me last night. I was, we were finished reading our two books. He had his milk and his snack. He, we did our silly songs. We did our praying. We did the whole routine. You patted him for 15 minutes. I patted him, <laughs> right? I did all those things because i don't lay down in bed with him but i'll get he's in a little toddler bed so i'll get on the uh, i'll kneel next to him but i won't get in the bed and i just pat him and i say goodnight to him and all that stuff and then he goes pat me one more time and i said nope not happening like we've already done it it's done time's up i'll come check on you later and i'll come get you in the morning and then he goes mama i'm hungry Right. And I was like, okay, great. The kitchen will open in the morning. I'll see you then. Okay. So it's, it's, you got to recognize when they're doing those things just to get out of That's real you leaving. Not. Yeah. <laughs> right Because I knew he wasn't hungry. We had just had dinner and he had his nighttime bottle or milk. Right. So, um, you do, you need to understand the difference. And you also need to not give in when it is one of those things that's just kind of a tactic, right? You have to hold your ground because if you give in just even one time, like, okay, I'll pet you one for five more minutes or every time, okay, we can have one more book, you know, every
0: time you have to do it every time and you
1: have to do it every single time or you have to deal with why they're not accepting you saying no. No this one time because yesterday you said yes and once you
0: do it twice and then you now you have to do three times pat me three different times right. read me four different books right so when it's not when it's not a tactic and you know, when it's the real deal um i know there's been some things that you know with her eight-year-old when she was a little bit younger um her bedroom is at the very you know on the top floor and it's way across the, the house the furthest room upstairs and it's over the garage um and she, she does, she's had, she's waking up with, with actual fears, and, um, of course, we'd never let her come to bed with us, but we have to also, so we have to, like, kind of be in the moment with her, let her know that we do understand she has some fears, but we also have to, like, give them a way to overcome that fear and also get their mind off those things sometimes because when it's just, like, the unknown, when it's the make-believe that may be real to them, but we know it's not real to us, it can't be real. We have to have, like, different tactics for them or different things we can do and have them do to overcome those. So one thing you did is you put a a poem or one of the psalms um, that you put it out and put it over her bed that she can wake up and read.
1: Right. So, like, giving her a calm down tool right then and there when we know it's happening. So she's not sleeping through the night. She's waking up and saying she had some kind of nightmare or scary thought. Well, when you have those nightmares or scary thoughts, the first thing you're to do is to read this Bible verse, right? That was like a strategy we gave her. And just reading it, right, and reading scripture has, has that power of just calming down and making you more sleepy, and then she would fall back asleep. Um, n- but also, you can be proactive. So it's not just things like as it's happening in the moment. You can ask your kids, you know, 15 minutes before bedtime routine starts to go to their room and get adjusted to the space you know, for a little bit older, like a six, seven, eight year old, you go to your bed first and read a story, read one of your books, and then I'll come and join you in a few minutes. So now what you're doing is you're getting them in the mindset. They're in that environment. The lights are dim. They are already in their bed with a book or something that's going to be calming. You can also ask them to do some five, four, three, two, one, or deep breathing before you're going to come and put them to bed. So I always recommend just send them to their room a few minutes ahead of time. And I've been doing that with our eight year old, you know, you need to go lay in your bed and read a book after you've gotten through one book, then we'll come and put you to bed. And so that helps like just acclimate them to the space. It's like comfortable, it's calm. And there's no dynamic yet, cause you're not in there. So if you're not in there yet, there's no pull for, do I really have to go to bed right now? Or can I have another snack? Or can I do this? Can I do that? There's, n- It's just them in their space. So that's definitely a really helpful strategy
0: I will parents tell you also, parents, if you if you have your kids when they're old enough, go to their room and start reading the book first, then you will be surprised more times than not or a good portion of the time, they're going to be asleep before you even get there.
1: Yeah, that happens all the time too. <laughs> um, so that's with maybe an older, like six, seven, eight-year-old, but if it's a three or four or five-year-old who's afraid of the dark and monsters and all the little sounds they hear, there are ways you can help calm them down it's, you don't really want to talk them to death, right? Like, I mean, you want to show them there's really no monsters here, but you want to give them tools. So let's calm down. You might play, there's like sleep apps or calming apps with like soft music and have them listen to that. Sometimes I'll even say to our three-year-old, just listen to the sound machine and let that drift you off to sleep. And now he knows. And he's like, no, I don't like listening to the sound machine, you know, but that's a strategy. Another strategy we say because we are believers. Well, you know, I'll always tell him just just pray, just ask Jesus to come and help keep you safe. Because if you just ask him, he'll give it to you, and that helps him. He'll tell me in the morning, Mama, I prayed to Jesus and he kept me safe. You know, so there are things like that that we give in terms of tools, but you can also show your kids, like, look, with the lights on, everything's fine. We'll keep your nightlight on. If, if it's cool and they're not gonna mess with it all night, you might give them a cool flashlight so they can look around if they want to at night. But that, that first few minutes of sending them to their room before you even get there can be very helpful.
0: Awesome, great advice. Uh, so overcoming fears, we've got some great tools you've given us today, Dr. Swalen. So number one, don't get into the emotion, help them get, get out of the emotion by spending some time with them. And then we've got some great techniques for calming down. So we've got deep breathing, smell the flowers, blow out the candles. We've got five, four, three, two, one, five. Look at five things that you see. Give me five pairs of shoes. (laughs) Uh, What colors are they? Talk about the actual things. Um, Four could be um, what four sounds do you hear, as an example. Three could be what three smells do you smell. Two can be. So,
1: three things you can touch usually. Uh, So, normally it goes five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two deep breaths in and out through your nose, and one smile and something nice about yourself.
0: And a lollipop. All right. (laughs) Lollipops are amazing. Um, And then, after we got the calm down, just really just working with our kids how do we need to to help overcome those fears ultimately, empowering them in different ways. exposures you know let's touch the rail of the uh, escalator first let's take one step let me hold your hand whatever it may be um whatever the fear is just working with your child uh and even it's a little exposures here and there will ultimately make a big difference yep. And if you practice those every day in a short period of time you're able to have no more fear at
1: least have the tools to overcome fear
0: there you <laughs> go that's the most important thing because we will have fears our entire life and so we thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions or comments, please uh, list us at the bottom, and we will see you next week. The Parents of Kit podcast from surviving to thriving in your household.